Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We're joined today by Mr. Gareth Dutton. Hello, Gref. Hello, Joe. Hello. We're joined by Mr. Andrew Stafford. Andy, hello. Oh, good evening, Joe. And we're joined by the man who always gives me a funny look when I say we're joined by Mr. Gareth Dutton. It's Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Who is Gareth Dutton? Hashtag... Good evening, Joe, and good, good evening, everyone. Good evening, and yes, hashtag Gareth Dutton. I'm telling you, we are going to get this trending. Um, but we are well. We've had a, we've had another good week of hockey in the Elite League. Um, Omar Pasha finally gets the monkey off his back and gets the first win against the Steelers. Uh, and just like all that time waiting for a bus and two come at once, he gets the, the win the day after as well. Um, the Storm won all three games over the last week, um, winning Nottingham first, then Fife, and then Guildford on the free sports game. And you got an extra treat there of seeing uh, the beautiful face of Mr. Gareth Dutton on free sports as well. Uh, and then finally, the Blaze came back from a four-goal deficit to secure an 8-7 win against the Guildford Flames in a very high-scoring, uh, pretty thrilling game, to be fair. So, um, gents, what, 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 have you, what have been your headlines over the week? I think Saturday was uh, defence just weren't bothered about. You look at the scorelines, you know, 15 goals at Guildford, um, I think nine goals in Sheffield. Milton Keynes five shared a load of goals. One of the hearts was the Guildford Coventry game. Guildford four 0 up. Um, you know the Coventry goes up seven five. Guildford got equalised. Coventry to, you know to then get the game winner in overtime. Now, that sounded like a very thrilling game. And you, you've got to give mention to Omar Pasha, as you mentioned already. You know, they got the, finally get the wins um, against Steelers. That much of a big thing for him. They're having an eighties party this weekend. Yeah, uh, my highlight would be I'll go home on this one. I'll say shutting out, shutting out the Panthers 3-0 in Nottingham's home rink as well. That's that's amazing for us. Not so amazing for Rick, Rick, Rick Shannon, Mass, though. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's um, the Contest Cup game between Belfast and, and Alan Cochetel. Um it's a good game now to go in penalty shots. Uh, it was really good for Belfast. You know, they gave, gave it all throughout the whole weekend. Uh, just really unfortunate they came across some some, some good players from our line who, 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 got, who got a job done in the end. Uh, but now just a great advertisement for Belfast. Well, uh, I you know they've, they've been hosting quite a few things over the last few years, uh, especially these international games where they've been the NHL game to the Bruins. Um, it's a great advert for Belfast, really. You know, there's, there's been so many games there, uh, some really important, really huge games there that, you know, that fan base is going to go on the up. Because not many people, not many places in the, in the UK get to host these things like this. So it's it's great for them. And uh, Belfast did a really good job as well. They did everyone proud immediately. But one thing I will mention is that even if they did win the tournament, they decided not to go through uh, to, to the CHL and, and get a spot in the CHL even if we did win. So what's your guys' thoughts on that? I think the the, the, the line that was said was along the lines of what would you rather have? Um, was it a CHL campaign or a Patrick Dwyer type signing? Um, I, I don't think I need to kind of give you two guesses to where my thoughts are in regards to the CHL and where if you have a spot on it, you should take it. Now, I'm under, I'm under the belief that I think it was three, four years ago, the rule changed where if you got a spot in a tournament like the Conti Cup or the CHL, 
Darcy, you couldn't reject it. Um, I, I recalled Tony Smith saying something um, in, a, in a fans forum, league-wide fans forum type thing, where it was said that you couldn't reject the spot. Um, so, and like you just mentioned, I mean, you know, I agree they, they've got this reputation at Belfast of hosting these, you know, NCAA men and women's uh, NCAA um, world championships. Like you said, the Bruins have got this reputation for hosting and, and pushing themselves to being that place in the UK to for these big games to come along and the, the, you know, the rumours are circling around that within the next couple of years there's going to be another NHL team going to Belfast uh, for their, before their European game so they, it, it don't go with the psyche of where this team and we mentioned with the interview with um, with Paddy and Joel from a view for the bridge where they, you know, they're ambitious the ownership of the Giants are ambitious so it don't go with that ambition to neglect and uh, not take the CHL spot yeah, it's a bit of a strange one for me. I know that. I mean, I know that a lot of our fans, when when the Steelers made it through to the CHL, on the couple of occasions that they did, I, I know that a lot of our fans were bringing it in question. We've obviously we've discussed that side of things before, and obviously said at that point. I mean, I I, I don't I can't see why you would. Um, I know the argument's been, in terms of domestic competition, it's pointless. You're not going to win. Um, you know the, the championships like you're going to win over here, like the league, the playoffs, the cup. Chances of winning the CHL with regards to the calibre that it is very, very, very slim. Obviously, you know we saw Nottingham break it, in, you know, into the knockout rounds. But other than that, there's, there's not been a British team to make it past, um, you know, the first round. Other than as I say, Nottingham the last time round. So you get that that kind of argument. I just can't see why you wouldn't want to see your team facing off against teams like Frölunda, against Red Bull Munich, Red Bull Salzburg, you know, Davos. SC Burn, you've got some stellar teams, and you watch some of the games in the in the CHL. You look at Cardiff this year. Cardiff didn't get, get didn't get past the first round, but every single game that they played in the CHL was competitive. Every and they were lucky not to get any wins. In fairness, they were a goal or two goals away. They weren't even blown out in any of the game. exactly. games. Exactly, exactly. No fan was sitting in that in, in those arenas during their games thinking we've got this locked and and sorted. Move on to the next game. I know a couple of Cardiff fans when they won the league first time round, and they were like, you know, don't, we're not really fussed about the CHL, you know, because we're not going to win it. They had that attitude. But you now speak to them now, and because of these games, because you know they had, they've had great nights against Vaxho, um, in being in, in Cardiff, they now are fully fledged believers of the of the tournament. So again, I don't think I need to re- repeat what my thoughts are, but it was again, it's strange. Had the scenario where they won the Conti Cup. It'd have been strange against what their ambition is for them to neglect that spot in the tournament. Yeah, I, I, my thoughts on the CHL is about pretty much the same as yours, Grant. You, if you get a chance to play in the CHL, you take it. You can say on your, you can say when you're like scouting players or you're offering contracts to players, oh yeah, if you come to us, you're going to play against some of the best teams in Europe. That's yeah. You might. Oh, obviously you'll go to one. One day you'll be in like Zurich or in Gothenburg, and then the next day you'll be in Kakada or Dundee. Yeah, there'll be a lot of changes in that. But you're playing some of the best teams in in Europe, and what more can you want? You want you want to see your teams play the best teams. Well, look at Benny Blood. Starts in Cardiff, starts well, gets a call, gets um, approached 
and, and moves to Tepera, huge franchise in Finland. I love hearing exactly your pronunciation that. of Tepera. <laughs> Just for you, Joe. <laughs> uh, you know, do you know, the other thing for me, though, is it's this, the argument of would you rather see us play in the CHL or bring in a, a, a signing like Patrick Dwyer? But you look at some of the signings that, like the likes of Cardiff, you know, the Panthers, the Steelers have brought in over the last few years because of the CHL. You, you get a lot of, of players that potentially look at the club when they wouldn't have before because of the participation in the CHL. Because they, yes, it gives them a, you know, it, it may be, some people may argue that it's not for the right reasons because it, it gives them a platform to showcase themselves against a wider audience and against a higher audience. It maybe it gives them a platform to be looked at by, you know, higher up teams that are going to pay them a bit more money or teams in leagues that they want to go and play in. But, you know, you, you, we wouldn't have signed some of the players that we'd signed unless we were playing in the CHL and a couple of years that we were. Exactly, you're absolutely right in respect of it's it's a huge shopping window for them. It's 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 a big any competition of that magnitude. It's you know if you are as to say a North American import or in respect to the British players, someone to put on the market to go. You know I'm a good hockey player. Have a look at me. I'm playing this competition. It you know it it's benefits the players in that respect. Yeah, clubs may lose out, and you know Cardiff did in losing in, in, in Benny Blood, but. It helps them bring, like I say, it helps bring quality players. You know, the type of players that you want your whole league to just immerse in. It, it strengthens the league and brings it up to a level that is a lot stronger than it used to be. I mean, you look at the elite league now to what it was in 2004 uh, when it started. You know, there's no parallel to it. It's so it's so much stronger, so much better. And I think over the last five years, the CHL and that ability to attract players because it's not just Nottingham, Cardiff, Glasgow and Sheffield who have been the four teams that have been in the CHL it's had an effect on other teams because then you have these style players you know that may not work out in them four teams but they go to the elite league teams so you still have that strength of player in the league so yeah this, this I, I've probably said it a million times in these podcasts that there's a million benefits for me of the CHL to, to the elite league and to teams that are involved I guess the flip side argument to the player side of things and the shopping window for the player, um, I mean, the, the best argument, and also the best example of the argument is is Nottingham when they were in it last year. Um, Josh Schaller was a player that, that signed for the Panthers, played absolutely phenomenally when they were playing in, in Europe. Uh, no a fair few Panthers fans that were raving about him when they watched him play in the European games. Um, and then the European games stopped and so did his point production, so did his play. Um, he ended up playing 26 games in the Elite League, um, obviously in domestic games. He only got eight points across 26 games. He's now played, um, well, the, the, the rest of the season, he played 42 games in the ECHL and put 50 points up. So it looked like that was very much a case of, OK, I'm going to showcase myself in Europe and then, you know, maybe not put the effort in the domestic competition. So I guess that's your flip side argument to the players. But yeah. irrespective of the players, I just don't see why you wouldn't want to take part. It really is so blinkered for me that I can't. I just can't see an argument as to why you wouldn't want to take part in it. It just seems small-minded, as you say. It, it's like we're ambitious to an extent, but then you get to that line and that's it. We're not showing the ambition to take part in that tournament. It's, it's, it's a strange one, but it, unfortunately it didn't get to that point and uh, Alan won the, the Conti Cup. 
Yeah, well, um, heartbreaking. But do you know we'll we'll come back to the Conti Cup game obviously in more detail um, a little bit later on. For the time being, we'll move on back to domestic um, for now. Uh, obviously, generally speaking, now we go on to the changes in the league. There have been a few changes again over the last week. Once again, uh, the majority of those changes are in Sheffield. Um, Andy, we, we saw three players leave Sheffield. Do you want to do you want to start us off with uh, the first, Matt Climey? Yep. Uh, Steelers have released Matt Climey. Uh, he's been after just 11 games uh, playing for Steelers, brought in, uh, of course, uh, pretty early on by Tom Barrasso. Um, I don't think it was a, it was too bad a goalie. I just think that, um, you know, the defence had more confidence in Whistle and they, they performed better in front of Whistle. Um, I don't know, maybe we just didn't get on with him as a, as a, as a, as a person, maybe. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the ins and outs are, but uh, I think of, of the three that have been released, it is one of the strangest ones. Um, not not too bad, uh, I suppose, for 11 games, eight, and not quite eight nine six, uh, save percentage, uh, and 3.28 goals against over 11 games. It's not too, too bad. Um, but yeah, one of the strangest ones, I think, out of three. And, uh, you know, I, I think if... If a defence hadn't been as, as injured as they are now with so many pe- people out, I think it would be one of the defenders in certain so maybe one of the goalies. But with injuries and everything, I think it's just how things have worked out. We've, we've only got two goalies anyway, so having three, I suppose, it was inevitable that one of them was going to go. And we've got Brad Day, Scott Jackson, Whistle. Maybe we'll send another goalie, but not sure. Uh, obviously, because some teams will probably just have the rest of the season with two goals so we'll, we'll wait and see what happens about that one I must admit I, I, when, I, when the news came out I, I was surprised at Clare being released of the three um, you don't want to see guys you know lose the jobs um, but if you looked at it in the cold heart day and all that the two forwards they probably were the two that you'd think yeah they'd probably if you, if you had to make changes they'd be the two that you'd go um, I, I felt that they were quite easy choices, but the, the goal, the one, yeah, I hear your point in terms of they, they, they looked stronger defensively in front of whistle. I count an argument. I just think the defence become more confident. And what I'm going to say is not a knock on whistle because I do rate whistle a hell, hell of a lot. You, beginning of the sort of the, the, the elite league, you'd have your import goal. When the British goalie came in, and at that point they, they basically were just opening doors. They didn't play as many as year backups do now. Your defence really tightened up because they knew they had to. And I must have been, I, I get a feeling a little bit of like that is that they feel they need to tighten up, which is fine. You know, that's their job. But when you climb it, they have a confidence. Um, the only problem is when you've got the defence that both climbing whistle in front of them, you know, it's not been the best defence. It's not been the strongest defence. The stats speak for itself. Never mind what you know. All four of us have seen the performances. Um, so there's, you know, it, there's been a few arguments of you know whistles uh, say percentages higher. They were never going to. They were never going to be good percentages this season. So I'm surprised at climbing. I liked what I saw. He commanded the crease well. Um, but you know, you wish you well. Do I think Brass will bring another goal in? I suspect he will. 
Um, I like that we go with two starting goalies and you know one fights for the right. I like that. It's the old Super League days. And you look at leagues around the world, even in Europe, EBBL, SHL, uh, KHL, they all have two goalies who can start. And the goalies have to fight for the games. And then you go with a hot goalie, which is what Brasso did in fairness. He went with a hot goalie, which is, you know, logic. So I hope he brings another goal in. Because you don't I, I don't I'm not one of these who buys in though, let's just have one starting goal and flog him. So you come for every match time, the guy's knackered because he's playing 50, 60, 70 games. If your team's doing all right, if you if you're going deep in competitions, then you probably go looking 78. Yeah, you want that goal. That old goal is going to really do well come March April because he's flogged. No, I'd, I'd rather see you know another goalie compete. You then have a fresher goalie. I, I don't buy this. They, they, they don't have a, a rhythm or anything. I don't buy it at all. A fresher goalie going in the stretch is he's a lot better. If if you look. You don't even think about it, but if you look at performances over, this, over the years in the playoffs and the playoff weekend, if you look at the goalies that are the one that plays every single game, would you say that all their performances are sharp, crisp, you know, and, and good? It's not knock on their abilities, by the way, but they're not as sharp because, you know, they're at the end of the season they've played every minute of every game from August to, to April. You know, they're not going to be that, you know, just, you know, physically just tired for the from, from a long season. Yeah, I when I saw it, that I agree with you both years. I thought that was the the stranger of the three. But I mean, looking at the how many goals you had against you this season so far, you're like the fourth highest in the league, just behind. But we're just ahead of you by one goal, and then you got like Milton Keynes being first and Coventry being second. Yeah, the defence has been not the greatest. And even the games where Manchester weren't playing against you guys and I was over there for not, for other reasons, um, it doesn't look like... It was like it, climbing wasn't looking like his defence was, yeah, we're going to tighten up. It was not comfortable. It, it didn't look that comfortable. I I obviously I I do rate Jackson Whistle a lot, especially this season with everything that's going on in Steelers land and he's doing fantastically well. Yeah, I, I rate I rate Whistle. I, I think Whistle's a good goalie. I, I thought Climby was better. I'm I'll you know, I'll put my cards on the table there. I thought Climby was a better netminder. Um I'd seen a few arguments of people saying his positioning was poor. Um, and then you look at his stats and see how many seasons he's played in the AHL and how many games he's played in the AHL. Um, you're not going to get to that level if your positioning's poor. He's played three games for the in the NHL for the Dallas Stars, uh, another game and then another game in three following seasons. Um, so by the looks, five five games in the NHL. Yeah, it's only five, but he's you know playing as a goalie in the big show is uh, is is not something to be sniffed at. Um, I don't know. I agree. I think it it was the strangest out of the three. I was disappointed. Um, he he was also a goalie that brought a bit of personality as well. Um, I know that some people were getting a bit stressy about the fact that he came out of his net a little too much. Never really cost us. Um, but no, I, I I agree with you, Dave, on that. I, well, I agree with both Dave and Andy in the respect of the D play a little bit more slack in front of Climby than they do in front of Whistle. I'd I'd be edging more towards 
you know, we all side Dave in saying that it, it, it was because they were more comfortable in front of Climey. But then again, I, I don't know. I, it's just strange the way that the defence has played this season. I don't even think there's any trend to it. Uh, I mean, I think of the, some of the goals put up against us against, against Dundee, and they were just people flogging the middle of the flogging the middle of our zone. And we just seem too willing in both instances to give them the middle of the zone. So I don't know whether it's a coincidence, it's just as to how the D have played when whatever net he's in, or, or whether it is because they were more comfortable with one or the other. But at the end of the day, change had to be made. Um, it doesn't necessarily surprise me too much when you hear Cly- uh, when you hear Barrasso's interviews. Barrasso seems to be a guy that's very much looking for a quick improvement, looking for the, the guys to hit the standard that he expects quick or you know, he'll get shot. You know, he was, he was very open from the start. They expected good things from Matt. Gave him some time to get into his game, but then that was it very much. Foot on the gas straight away. Let's 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 up the gears. And, um, you know, if he's not done as, as he wanted to, I mean, I, I ain't going to be questioning, you know, Tom Barrasso on, what, on, on about goalies. <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't think there's anybody better qualified in the league to discuss what goalie should go, what goalie we should have in, in the, you know, on each given night. You know, I think Barrasso's certainly got the pedigree to back up his decisions um, yeah I, that, that's all I'd say about that to be fair it's a strange one but just got to see how it goes going forward um, the next one Dave was probably one that we'll discuss probably significantly less I don't think it's quite as surprising is Stefan De La Revere yeah um, came in it was one of Thomas' new signings and personally I <laughs> I just didn't. I never felt that he just he did much. The effort was there, but he just you know sometimes you get players that just full effort, end product weren't there. Um, you know we had some had some great moments. Had some, you know, and he, he picked up his game when Barrasso came over because obviously you know De River played under him in, in Italy, but he just never hit the expectations that I suppose himself and the Steelers will have wanted from him. Um, as I mentioned, you know. It, it, there were the two I weren't surprised with, and you know, like you know, he'll, he'll find another club. And in fairness, there's probably some clubs in the UK that will probably take him up, and he'll probably do well. You know, we've seen with Wallace um, and Valdix um, in MK. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Delaware ends up in MK. Um, but you know, wrong player, wrong club. Um, and you know, you wish him well. You, you know, shake his hands, and then you move on. And you know we see who uh, Barasso, who whoever um, is doing the negotiations, um, who will they bring in? Yeah, it's quite a change from uh, from, from this short time Bray had uh, in 2016-17 season. Uh, I think we played 11 games and got about 10 points in that one. Um, but yeah, it's it's a player that that, that was uh, recruited by Paul Thompson in the off season from Castle Huskies. Um, pretty disappointing for me, I think. Um, it is a, it is quite strange though, uh, given it was only two weeks ago that Barrasso was saying I, I feel bad at having to sit Del Riviera out for this game against the Panthers on Boxing Day. So it's quite a difference that two weeks make, and maybe that would have given him maybe a bit, a bit more, a bit more edge to his game, a bit, a bit more compete level. Uh, but since then, it's it's just not worked out for him. Uh, and as, as Dave said, it would have had time before he gets the before he finds another club. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's it's not one of the surprising ones. It was one of the ones that I think was going to come 
And I'm quite surprised that it wasn't any earlier, to be honest. Looking, well, from what I've seen of Delaware playing, it was, he had, he's like pretty much any other player. He'll have his good games, he'll have his bad games, he'll have a good shift or a bad shift. He didn't really put up the best of points. I mean, 30, what was it, 30, like six games that he played for you guys, he got like 14 points. If he was playing as like a, a fourth liner, you probably would expect that. From the games I saw against you guys, he was playing more like second and third. He he is a really good player, but as as Grant you mentioned before, I think he wasn't really the type of player that is going to be a, a stealer player. Yeah, I think I think this this change it, it sums up the problem that the Steelers have been having. Um, as you say, Gref, at the end of the day. Della Revere was a solid second or third line player um, and he hit the net seven times in 36 games. You, you, look at, you look at the squad that we've got, you look at the team, you look at the lines. Um, we haven't got a solid first line. You talk to anybody or you see people's opinions on social media or on forums, they'll tell you we haven't got any secondary scoring. I disagree. We've got too much secondary scoring. We don't have primary scoring and that's the problem. Our first line, when you look at it, I mean, we at one point, our first line was Armstrong in centre. No issues with that. Armstrong played first line when he played with us last year. Does a stellar job. Good face-off guy. Can put the puck on the net. No problem. But then he had his wingers of Dowdy, who's always been a solid second liner. And as far as I, you know, as far as I believe, when you can sign top quality imports like, you know, Cardiff have like Lingley or like Belfast have like Dwyer, um, you know, Kyle Baum, Murphy... You look at these kind of players and then you go, these guys are on the opposition's first line. Meanwhile, we've got Robert Dowd, who's been a second-line player since he's playing for the Steelers and all of a sudden he's playing on the first line. And no disrespect to Dowdy, but that isn't because his game stepped up. That's because we haven't got a first line. Our first line is a pretty average second line. So, I don't know. I, I think this kind of sums it up. We need to bring somebody in that can go on the first line or we need to bring somebody in that could put some secondary scoring up. Um, Della Revere, I, I think his problem was he was he's a very skilled player. You can see it when he plays, and, and at the start of the season, even when he was possibly underperforming a bit more uh, under Tomo, he did a lot of good things, and he, he did a lot of made a lot of nice moves that maybe people wouldn't see unless you physically sat and watched him. I think the other problem, the undermining problem for him, was that then we brought in Anthony De Luca. A guy who has a very, very similar style of play to Della Revere. A guy who can deke it, play it through the middle, who can pull some nice moves off and has got some nice stick handling about him. The problem is De Luca did it, or does it at the moment, 10 times better than Della Revere. And there hasn't been a position on this team for a second player like that. And at the end of the day, Della Revere has played, played games in the NHL. He's got a decent AHL CV. He, he ain't going to be a guy that we're going to be sitting down on the fourth line. So I, I think this was as, as far as any of the sign, uh, any of the changes go. This was the biggest no-brainer for me, and it's nothing against Della Revere. I just don't think it was the right fit for him. But I think this was the no-brainer of the, of the three. Um, moving from Della Revere, the last of the changes was Justin Buzio. Uh, this is the one that hit me the most because I had number twenty-one on the back of my jersey this year. I had Buzio on my jersey. Um, 
again, a guy who came in, looked quite promising. Um, looked like he could put some decent goals up, played well in pre-season, played well in the first couple of games. And then his game just kind of went a little south. It just kind of went a little bit too quiet for a guy who's been brought in as a goal scorer, for a guy who's been brought in that can sit on the first line. Um, and then he went pretty quiet on the second and third line. So, again, a bit of a no-brainer. There would have been others that I would have probably gotten rid of above um, above Buzio. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's, he's coming to Sheffield. He's played 33 games. He's got 24 points, so not a bad point production. But 16 of those have been assists. And he was brought in as a guy who was going to score goals. Bottom line, you're a guy that's going to be signed for goals. You don't get the goals, then you're not doing your job. So... Simple as that, really. Yeah, it's, it's, it, again, you know, you, 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 he was brought in as one of the goal scorers and it just didn't happen. Uh, I think, I, I suppose that's probably the, the, the phrase that sums up the two two uh, departures in De La Rivera. It just didn't happen. It just didn't work. Um, you know, effort was there. They, they, they tried hard. Um, just, just weren't working. Just didn't happen. Um, um, and if we're honest, one of the reasons why why Sheffield are in the, uh, the predicament that they are in um, is because their goal scorers, or all the goal scorers, haven't been scoring. They haven't done what they're brought in to do. Um, and it's just, it's just bad luck in one respect that all of them have done it at the same time. You're always going to get a guy who just it's the work doesn't happen. But to get three or four at the same time. Um, is either bad recruiting or just bad luck. Um, you know, we're not going to argue which one's which. You know, it just depends on what your, your thoughts and viewpoints are. But you know, you wish them well. You, you wish them all the best. You know, hope they get into his club so they can. You know, everyone wants work and all that malarkey. But it just weren't working in Sheffield for him. Yeah, I, I completely um, echo John Day's words. Uh, not a bad point of production. Twenty-four. In 33, but um, looking back at last season when he played for uh, Graz 99ers of the EBEL, pretty much a similar situation, 34, 34 games, uh, 24 points, 10 goals, 14 assists. So, kind of a similar situation there before uh, he moved to Ravensburg uh, in the middle of last season before being recruited by, by Tamil and the Steelers. Um, I think it was just some of the fact that, you know, it, it, it was... A bit too inconsistent, you know. He's assists way out more than than the goals that I've, uh, as as Joe and Dave said that he was brought in to score goals and he's he's, he's not done that uh, prior to the uh, standard that he should have been. Um, but yeah, like Joe said, there's probably a couple of fours that I, I would have put before Buzzeo, but uh, but yeah, we need some re- reinforcements fast because I mean. It's, it's not a great season, uh, and, and like I said earlier, had there been healthy D-men, we, we, we would see some D-men go this week as well. Um, yeah, it's it's not a great time for Steelers fans, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we've got at least a, little bit, a little bit of sympathy from everyone else, because last time Steelers didn't make the playoffs was 1992-1993 season in BD1. Uh, so we are looking at the moment that we might not make the playoffs, and that, that is quite worrying. Um, but yeah, three players, um, Kwame should have probably stayed out, I think. Uh, Delavere was the obvious one, and Buzzayo, I definitely would have taken some people before him. 
I just want to jump on a point you just made there, Andy, and you mentioned about not making the playoffs. I'm going to throw it as a quick point. Would it be a bad thing that Sheffield didn't make the playoffs? And I'll explain why I say that. You look at Cardiff. A few years ago, they didn't make the playoff quarters. Complete disarray. And they, you know, they then said, right, we've got to do something. We've got to turn it around and bang. You see three, four years down the line how strong they are. Sheffield is a club that prides itself on being at the final four, being at the finals of the tournaments. Given everything and given what's happened this year, would it actually be a bad thing to really allow a full restock of everything that goes on and to go into the 1920 season with a bit more different focus, a different angle? Generally, no, but given the fact that this year we've already <laughs> supposedly had a clear out and got a brand new team in, it, it just it, it it just doesn't look good. I mean, I I think the whole thing just comes down to whether or not, as you say, whether it's luck or whether it's bad recruiting or what. But I I, I get what you, I get what you're saying. Had we kept players like if we'd have kept the likes of Fred Evois, and we'd had a few players that maybe played a couple of seasons too many, um, you know, carrying too many injuries, things like that. Then I think it would have given us a bit of a kick to change players at the end of the season, have a bit of a clear out and reset things. There ain't a great deal for us to reset now, because there's there's, there's not many left that that were here two seasons ago or even a season ago. So, but I get I get what you mean. I, I think it just it would give us a bit of a kick as a club. Um, give us maybe a bit. that's what maybe that's the thing that's needed. It's a kick as a club, not just as the on ice. It's just the everything because you look at kind of now as there's a bit if perception is a bit more, you know, togetherness across the board. Is that something that's maybe missing in Sheffield? I think there's that, and also it may take the fan base down a peg as well. I think we we've been lucky as Steelers fans over the past however many years to to have had a decent amount of success. Um, we we've grown. I mean, do you know, we'll we'll hold our hands up. We, we've grown accustomed to getting those wins, and do you know what? As as arrogant as it sounds, when we don't get those wins, we ain't happy about it because we're used to having them. Um, and I think maybe not qualifying for the playoffs, maybe having a season like we have and finishing it as we have, um, it may not be a bad thing. It may take everybody down a peg and maybe give us a bit of humble pie and, and get the fan, bases, the fan base to reset a little bit again, obviously work up from there. Um, the one thing that I would say is we need to make a decision and we need to make a decision quick as to what type of hockey that we're looking to put out on the ice for the next few months. Are we going to put? Are we going to be signing players and putting out teams that are going to be trying to win every game to get us back in those playoff spot contention? If we don't see a chance of us getting in playoff spot contention, then we need to be bringing in players that are going to. We, we need to be bringing something as an on ice product that is still going to be getting in fans, still going to be getting crowds of five, six thousand to be coming to games. And as stupid as it sounds, the way to do that is old school hockey. Bringing a guy that can drop the gloves, bringing a guy who's going to make some hits may sit on the penalty box a bit but at the end of the day at least you go away going well we lost the game but that was a cracking fight or that was a cracking hit at the moment it's just bland so there's a very, there is very little at the moment that is bringing the crowd in you know and bizarrely you look at the Christmas game that had a lot of stuff that brought the crowd in and yet it's now you know even, even in Belfast um, there weren't that much of that type of hockey that you had against the Panthers, 
It's, no. Je- it's Jekyll and Hyde. Didn't get him. It's Jekyll it's and Hyde. It's Jekyll and Hyde, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Greth, have you got anything else to add regarding uh, Buzio? Apologies, we kind of skimmed over that and, and kind of went off on a tangent there, but have you got anything else to add? No, yeah, I think you've pretty much all hit, hit it right on the head there. I mean, unfortunate for you with your, your jersey as well, which is unfortunate, but you know. I'll get happens. over it. It was a, it was a, it was it was a Challenge Cup jersey anyway. We're already out of that as well, so you know, double loss there. <laughs> Sixteen years and counting. Yeah, well. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that, I mean, we've we've had a change uh, that isn't Steelers related. Before we come back to the Steelers again, uh, we've had a change that isn't Steelers related. So I'll bring that one to you, Gref. There has been a change in coaching in Nottingham. There has indeed with Rich getting. Pretty much, you could say the sack, although they didn't put it in the press release as being sacked, which is a, a strange one, you could say, considering Panthers are not really known for releasing like a coach or a head coach or as such during the season. They normally wait until the end of the season. So, I mean, it's not as if they've had really... A, Bad season so far. I mean, the third in the league, they're still in the Challenge Cup. I mean, we'd love to still have that. You guys would love to have that. Something makes me think maybe something in behind the scenes has happened, and that's why he's no longer the coach there. I I was surprised when when the announcement came out, um, but. There's a lot of comments made, but if you look at sort of on social media for the Panthers fan base, a lot of comments that they're making are very similar to the comments that the Sheffield fans are making in terms of the blandness of the hockey. The hockey weren't exciting, the hockey weren't entertaining, it weren't, you know, it weren't bringing them in. That's the one thing that Panthers have really, you know, been a part of. It's been their DNA of the past five teams. It's been, you know, the old school sexy Nielsen hockey. Um, you know, they made up one stuff, but you know, they entertained. Um, so maybe um, maybe Neil Black thought that you know we need to make a change um, to get someone that's going to get that hockey to keep the numbers up. Um, I don't know what the, the figures have been dropping over the past sort of uh, six weeks or not. Um, but you know maybe he's just seen it and, and he didn't want to risk uh, that happening. So strange one in the terms of weather position. Yeah, they're, they're an excellent start and they've kind of faltered a bit. But still strange. They're still held, you know, good position for the league-ish challenge cup. You know, Strachan's going to come in. Very much old school. Um, I remember him in his days behind the bench at Hull, uh, and he played. He can play interesting hockey. So maybe you know, silver lining in that for the Panthers in terms of you know getting that spark back. But you know, overall, it's funny that a new guy coming with a good pedigree. You know, Shermaz came in with a good pedigree, and he struggled. And you see, if you see a number of people that come in with good pedigrees but still struggle. So, um, you know, when, you know, if we're honest, Brasso's you know having a bit of a not as good uh, as and had a good uh, has a good pedigree. Um, so you know, it's, it's interesting that. But you know, let's see, let's see what happens with the Panthers if they continue to freefold or they actually be able to turn it around. Yeah, as, as we've said, I mean. A very strange one, considering they're only third in the league. You know, they're still in contention of of winning it. Uh, so there's 
they've not ruled out of that one yet. You know, there's, there's a playoffs as well. Um, I just, I just think he's been a, a, a bit of inconsistency, maybe. Uh, obviously, they've been a, a bit of a losing, losing run at the minute. Oh, the last game wasn't bad. Uh, they, they played pretty well in that game. Um, but if, if you look at the players that that Jeremy has, has brought in, you know, you've Chris Stewart, former former NHL, God knows how many games in in that one. Uh, Kovacs, who's been probably one of the top scorers in the league this season. Uh, Guptill, Olsen, Hughes. Now, just, just, just some really good players there. But I was talking quite well worked out for him in, in terms of coaching them and maybe just different styles. That's what the players are used to. But, um, you know, I, I think Stracker's going to do a good job. He's, he's been around the Panthers for for a number of years as, as an assistant. You know, he's, he's behind the bench of the 2013 uh, league-winning team. Uh, also, as, as 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 an assistant, so maybe this is his time to sort of step in, uh, take control, or maybe he'll do a very good job of it. Um, if not, then it could be a, a, a really thing that that does that, that could backfire the Panthers. Yeah, it was a weird one for me. I I I just didn't understand the logic. As you say, third place in the league. Um, I mean, they signed us. The one thing I'll say in in the, in the support of it is. They signed a stellar team, and I said at the start of the season, this was the team I was the most excited to see. Um, I mean, they had a hell of a lot of KHL experience across their across their the team, uh, a lot of NHL and AHL as well. So they really do, did look like a team, you know, to be pushing for a title. Um, you know, and then they brought in some stellar players: Kovacs, Pither, um, you know, Herchibies, they really had a fantastic team. The funny thing, the thing that makes me laugh is when people are saying their hockey's bland um, because they brought back Guy Lapine and everybody was thinking, oh, this is really going to spark things up again. And to be honest with you, I hadn't noticed Guy Lapine in all the games that we've played against the Panthers that I've seen this season, or maybe once or twice in a game. He's made no difference in a game for me at all. He's, you know, he's not dropping the gloves anymore because obviously the game's changed. He doesn't have anything else about his game that stands out. And I think that's the problem. I think, again, as a team, they're, they're very similar to the Steelers in that they're very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, they've gone through some really bad form over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, yeah, I, I think... I mean, you read the, the press release about him going, and it, they basically said we had a good start to the season. I think the start to the season, in fairness, was exaggerated by the fact they they had about five extra games played than most teams at one point. Uh, so they were sitting at the top of the league, but then you looked and every other team had got five games in hand. But they basically said, you know, we had a good start to the season. Um, you know, recent games haven't have been disappointing. Recent results have been disappointing, which necessitated a change. Um, it, it does sound like something else has gone on, but, you know, God knows what. You know, we, we'll probably never know as to what's gone on. But at the end of the day, he's gone. They've got Strachan to take the reins, as, as, as Andy, as you say. You know, he's got a lot of experience in the league. He knows the Panthers. Um, you know, he knows them through and through. He's been there for a long time on the scenes in Nottingham. So, wait and see what happens. It may be a good thing. It may be a bit odd. The one thing I'll say for Stra for Schoenemaz was he, he he had a high turnover in players. And we commented on this a, a, a month or so ago, is that, is that he really, really had a high turnover in players. You watch some of the players that were coming and going. Um, like Obviously, Van Cleef signed and then went about three weeks later. And there, there, was, there were a few players that were chopping and changing. There just didn't seem to be any stability and consistency in the team. 
So not necessarily in the performances, but in the team. So I don't know whether it was just his coaching style didn't fit, um, but end of the day, it's happened. They've got to move on. Be interesting to see how they do going forward. As you say, third place, can they maintain that? Can they push higher? We'll just have to wait and see. Um, the last signing in the league um, is... Andy, do you want to tell us who it is? It's for the Sheffield Steelers. It's their replacement after the three people have been sacked. Yeah, uh, Steelers have signed uh, Tom Zanoski, uh, who is a uh, Croatian uh, Canadian player. Uh, signed from Zagreb, who, of course, alongside with John Armstrong, uh, having quite a few problems over there. Thought it did stick out a bit longer, uh, but obviously it's just not just not worked out for him. Um, quite a small, quite a small player, five foot eleven, and uh, consider quite quite an older guy as well, thirty four years old. Um, honestly, I'm not quite sure what to make of his signing. Uh, from my point of view, uh, as I said, played for played thirty seven games for Medford Shark Zagreb, uh, nine goals and six assists, so fifteen points in thirty seven. He's he's not a huge amount. And season before, the same team as I grew 49 games and four points in that. So maybe he's a player who will drop the gloves. Yeah, there's been a couple of videos circulating of, of, uh, of a few fights. So maybe he's brought in to, to give a, um, a bit of a physical spot to the team. Uh, but I, I think for Steelers, what, what we need right now is players who are going to score goals and get points. And for me, this isn't a guy that's going to do that. Um, his points are very mediocre throughout a lot of his career. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's just bring a bit of physicality to the team. Uh, but we just have to wait and see what his role is uh, in the team, what role that Brass are wanting him to play. But, yeah, it's not a player that is uh, going to put the points that I think we really need. It's It's... It's not a signing that stands out in terms of his, his resume, but he's played in decent leagues, um, AHL, KHL, admittedly Mizagra, but you know he's still playing in them leagues. Could be, you know, I, th- I think it's a wait and see signing. But I th- we also that about Deluca in fairness, and he's not turned out too bad. Hopefully, he just gives that spark, a bit of addition to, to the Sheffield lineup, just to give him something because I think that's what Sheffield needs. They just need something just to spark something. You know, to get Dowd more into the game that he is doing, you know, and he's been he's been one of the uh, the top end performances performers over the last few weeks. To get you know just to get that domino effect of you know Dow work, then Pitt work, then O'Connor, work, just to get it all back firing, and then you ha- have whatever changes will be coming into to get him over that eighth place line because you know that's the, now the target. He could do that. He's got experience, and you know he's. He'll, Armstrong will know what type of player because of, you know reading between lines. Armstrong's done the recruiting on this one, um, obviously through his, his links with Zagreb. Who knows? He, he could be that player that just brings everything together and just sparks it all up. Yeah, I from looking at his stats wise, I don't really think he's been brought in to to get the points. I think he, he pretty much is brought in to lay the body down throw hits, maybe cause a few fights as well. Maybe, maybe agitate a lot of players in the league, ones that you know will 
buy at the this the first instance. For example, you play against us, it's more likely going to be Springer. It's I think he's more Tom's more of a, like a replacement for Stefan. He'll be on those second third lines at the moment. Possibly more third line, but I think he's gonna he'll probably do well for you guys, depending on how he fits into the system, into Barasso's system. To me, this looks like a very logical signing. When you take a step back, you look at the team at the moment and think, we need some guys to be scoring points. The problem is, when you look at the players and the CVs that we have, we've got a hell of a lot of players that could be sitting second or first line. We've also got a hell of a lot of those players that are realistically playing at a third line level. And, I mean, De Revere and, and Buzio are two of the people that have fallen short on that and obviously fallen victim to that. They've obviously been let go for that reason because they've not produced as we expected them to be producing. This guy's been brought in, looks to me from his stats to be a guy that's going to sit on the third line. He's going to put some decent play, he's going to make some decent plays to people like, I don't know, if Eberle is playing on the third line. Eberle looks out of place on the first line. He needs to be playing second or third. If he's going to be playing on a line with a guy like this, you know, he's got a bit more experience about him. Dave, as you say, he's dabbled in the KHL, he's dabbled in the AHL, so he's got a bit of, he's, you know, he's got to have got something about him as a player, but maybe that something just isn't the point production. If you can combine him on a line with people like Eberle, DeLuca, Owens, there are a number of people on the Steelers team that he could fit on a line with and just unlock something with the way they play. But the other thing is, there have been less and less places on this Steelers team to hide because previously, your second liners, your first liners that weren't producing, realistically were one of many that weren't producing. As I say, we had a lot of people that realistically would have been on the, would have been second line players, but they were mainly playing at a third line level. Now, this guy's going to fit in on the third line. We've got a couple of guys that can sit on the third line with him. Those first and second liners really are going to be pushed to be starting producing points now. And Barrasso's shown that he's willing to be getting rid of players that aren't performing to the extent that we expect them to. And I think this is one of the things that shows we are now going to be having a structure of first, second, third line, and there isn't a place to hide for the people that should be producing at a first line rate and are producing at a third line rate. So possibly more laying foundations for next season, possibly laying foundations to just have a, a nice signing that will slot in with a fair few players to unlock something different. But either way, I don't think this is... The, the, the thing is, the difference is, this guy, looking at his CV, isn't a guy that's going to come in and underwhelm. Because you look at his CV and go, well, his point production isn't going to be great. You're not the nail on the head, Andy. He's not a guy that I expect, based on his CV, to be scoring a load of points. But that means, at the end of the season, if he's got four goals and six assists, I ain't going to be going, oh, well, he was rubbish. Because I expected him to get four goals and six assists at the start. But if by whatever whirlwind it happens, he comes at the end of the season, he's got 25 goals. What a gem that was. So he's, he's a guy that's not going to underwhelm. He's a guy that's going to sit nicely on the third line based on his CV. And he's a guy that's going to push to get a lot more out of a lot of the players that we've got at the moment. So I, I, I'd be interested to see him. wasn't quite what I expected this morning, but I'd be interested to see how he does. He also had a very interesting 2009-2010 by the looks. He was loaned out to uh, to five different teams in the AHL, which is bizarre. Um, 
Yeah. I must have. There was, there was also one interview during the rounds I saw on Twitter where he had ended up uh, in a fight during the, uh, I don't know if it was mid-period or post-game interview, where he ends up scrapping with an opponent. So, uh, I, I must admit, I, I, I agree with the logic in respect of, you know, it, it's setting foundation, it's more structure, uh, where, you know, maybe we didn't have that, but now we're getting that, if that makes sense. Um, let's wait and see. You know, if he comes up with 40 points, I think we'll all be very happy coming into the season. The other thing that I think shows about this guy is he seems to have a decent personality about him in terms of wanting to push the team as a whole. Um, you know, people were leaving Zagreb. At the, oh, I ain't even going to try and butcher the name. <laughs> people were leaving the Zagreb team that he's just coming from. Um, they were leaving because the pay wasn't coming in. They were leaving because they were getting better offers elsewhere and it looked like the club was going to fold. This guy stayed as long as he could to try and salvage the club. And as a pro hockey player, he really put his he really put his, his career at a risk because from what he was saying, the majority of the teams that they were putting out for the, for the, the previous games just gone were people, they were putting either youngsters in, they were putting rookies in, or they were putting in amateurs that had got another job or another two jobs so they were getting smashed games like 10-1 13-2 because they didn't have the players that were the standard of everybody else in that league but he stayed because he wanted to try and salvage the team and he really wanted to try and push the team so they didn't fold he's now coming into a side that are trying to push to get playoffs when they're currently sat in 10th position if you want anybody with a personality that's got a don't give up attitude in that scenario this guy looks to be the guy that you want um, yeah, that, yeah. Anyway, moving on from the changes, we've we've spent a fair bit of time on changes today, but there have been a fair few and, and a fair few surprising ones as well out of the blue ones. So, um, moving from that, obviously we touched on it already. Bit of heartbreak in Belfast over uh, the last week. Did a phenomenal job in the Conti Cup. Obviously, last game goes to a winner-takes-all game, and unfortunately, it goes the wrong way for Belfast. They end up losing 3-2 in a penalty shootout. What, what do we think to that, guys? Because to be fair, as I think, Andy, you said it earlier, they've done the league proud. They've really showcased Belfast, they've showcased the team, and they've showcased the Elite League fantastically. They've done superb. Um, you know, They had two great results against Gommel and uh, Katowice, the team who beat them in the semi-finals. Um, so everyone's prediction was right it was going to be Belfast against um, Kokshetu um, and by all accounts um, it sounded an absolute barn burn of a game there's a video clip um, that is doing rounds of, uh, on social media from the view from the bridge where it's the equalising goal and you can't hear the commentators the noise of the crowd that just the whole building just erupted I think Justin Jonner, who got the equaliser, um, just it sounded just an absolute bar burn of a game, and the, that, that noise was just incredible. Um, so they, they were, it was unlucky, you know, when you're losing a shootout. It's the greatest way to win a tournament. Oh, sorry, it's the greatest way to win a game that built up to be a final. It's the worst way to lose it. It's pure heartbreak. Um, and on all accounts, I mean, I would say this is not knocking the guys, but there was a lot of tears flow from some of the guys. You know, Bessaroni played outstanding. Was, I think it was Bessaroni and... Um, uh, Darcy Murphy was the netminder and forward of the tournament, uh, if I've got that correct. Um, you know, these they, they they put everything on the line, 
Um, yeah, people can say you know they had it they had it easy. They they, had, they went home and both semis and finals. You still got to win the games. You still got to cross the line, um, regardless of whether you do it in Belfast or Kazakhstan or Poland. Don't matter where, you've still got to do it. And Belfast just fell so short. I fell for him. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I, some of my friends were updating me, and I was getting excited. I, I, I'm not a Belfast fan. I was really wanting to win. And then he hears, you know, five on three for a minute 40 with five minutes left in the game. He's like, oh, come on, you know, hold out. And it was just, you know, the updates were back and forth, back and forth. I think everybody wanted him to do it because it's a good notch for the Elite League. Panthers winning it was great. Having the team in the final three years on the trot is great. Now, we have to make that the norm. Panthers started, Steelers continued, Belfast continued. Whoever's in the Conor Cup next year has to establish that the Elite League is now one of the top end of the lower nations in Europe. We're not going to be a Sweden, Finland, Germany, Russia or Switzerland. But if we can establish ourselves through these competitions to be in the top, let's say the, the second tier of European hockey. If we can establish ourselves as a league at that level... This is what we need to do. So whoever gets that spot, all the best. But commiserations to the Giants, but well done on a great comp- a tournament from them as a player, but also the um, the reports that everyone's did at how well they've hosted it. Like you mentioned earlier on, Andy, in, in the beginning of the show, just once again showed what they've got as an organisation to put on a great tournament. I Yeah, because I, I, I was at the... We storm were at home, so obviously I was there. I, I was looking at the notifications, I was getting from either yourself or from the Flash Goes app. I was surprised when I saw them go down 2 0 in the, the game against Ireland. I was like, okay, is this where they've, they've, they're going to fall short? And then quickly I got like two notifications. Oh, it's tied to all. I was like, oh, maybe they can do it. I mean, you see, we we all know what it's like hockey. It can be a one, could be two nil, and then you get a goal. The team's back on it again. They've got the momentum their way. That's unfortunate. They've lost in penalty shot penalty shots. I've suffered that myself. Well, we've I think we've all probably suffered that in our playing careers. I mean, not at pro level, obviously. But it's it hurts when you lose in a penalty shot, especially when you get so close. So I can see why a lot of emotions would have been there. I mean, fair play to Belfast, something like a, a an, ama- an amazing tournament that they had. You definitely can't fault the Giants' uh, complete level in this one. I mean, there's three amazing things that happened in this game. Uh, scoring from two behind and tie at two is fantastic and I, I think we've all seen Baskarani's save at diving save post to post that was amazing fantastic save for him uh, but the biggest thing and one that a lot of teams would struggle uh, in the third period last eight minutes killing off a five on three absolutely fantastic to that I mean most teams would book under that pressure but the Giants kept going and they defensively so well uh, and, and, and that's when you both goalies had a fantastic game as well. Uh, it, was, it was just unlucky that none of the Giants could find the back of the net in the shootout. Um, apart from Justin Jonner, uh, I, I think also got a shootout goal. Uh, but 
it, it was Yevgeny Gaznikov uh, stepped up and, and he, he took it. He scored. Uh, it'd be, it'd be best goal and a really fantastic goal. Uh, and unfortunately, that was the one that that won it for Arlan. Um, so yeah, massive commiserations to Belfast, but you know, the effort was there. Yeah, the effort was amazing. And um, you know, even though it's a loss, um, I don't think many fans will have left like one happy. It was a fantastic game to be a part of and watch. Yeah, I, I tweeted afterwards and said and it's the, the the best way that I can think to sum it up is it was congratulations and commiserations because it, it's the it's gut wrenching to lose a game like that and particularly for the guys who've been taking uh, the penalty shootouts and not hitting the back of the net as well um, to know that the game lies at the end of your stick at that point to know that the puck that you're, that you're skating around with could be the difference between lifting the trophy at the end of the tournament and, you know, falling just short. It, it's such a horrible feeling. Um, so, you know, commiserations from that aspect for the whole team because to get so close and to have come back from 2-0 down as well to do that, it, it, I can't, you know, you can't even put in words how heartbreaking that is. But then when you take a step back, you, you just congratulations completely because getting to that point in a tournament of that calibre and of that level and of that type is is such an achievement, showcasing the league fantastically. Um, I saw people saying they hoped that Belfast were going to get pumped. Um, I don't really think you can really say you want to see a team get pumped like that when they're showcasing the league as they are. Um, I kind of question why you'd want to see a team get pumped. Yeah, OK, you might have your rivalries in the league, but at the end of the day, when a team's going all out in a tournament like that, and they're the only team in your league. Why would you want to see them get pumped? Um, at the end of the day, performances in tournaments and performances in international competition recently is the reason that we've seen another step up in calibre of players. We've seen a massive step up in calibre of players signed over the last couple of seasons, and that's why. So then saying, oh, I hope they get pumped. Well, yeah, but you won't be saying that in five years' time when we've been pumped a couple of times in a tournament like that. And the calibre of players has dropped again. No, but anyway, that's a separate thing. But staying on, staying on with international competition, um, we discussed last time round the CHL. Um, I'll bring that one to Dave. Uh, we'll try and make that one pretty swift just based on how much more we've got to talk about and how long we've been talking already. Uh, but yeah, Dave, we've obviously had the other two games to finish off the semi-finals for the CHL. Absolutely, and we, we now know who, which two teams will be uh, balling out for the crown of Champions of Europe. So, very quickly, Frölunda, with a 6-3 lead, went on and won in Pilsen, 3-1 to go through 9-4 in aggregate. And Red Bull Munich, after a goalless first leg, won in Salzburg, 3-1, an absolute belt of a game. Um, cracking atmosphere. Um, and we have the final that both all, all four of us predicted. Um, Frölunda hosting it um, in the Scandinavian. Now, that is their home rink they use for the SHL, which they know they never use for the CHL. They use the Frölundaborg, which is their, as they call it, the throwaway rink. Six and a half thousand nice wad cons, but a throwaway rink. And they use all they play all their CHL games there. The finals being held at the main arena, thirteen and a half thousand. I suspect Munich will bring a load of fans. I think it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. Friday, sorry, February the 5th is when the final is. Um, and me and Gref are, will be wearing our um, red 
uh, for other jerseys and hoping that the title stays in Sweden or says sorry in Scandinavia but uh, I know Joe and Andy will be um, hoping it returns to or goes to Bavaria yeah sporting the Lederhosen jersey certainly at that point um, yeah I mean it was, it was three straight goals as well to send Munich to the final as well wasn't it because Salzburg went up 1-0 at first didn't they so Salzburg went one all up, um, and then within two or three minutes, Munich got back in the game, and then to fair from then, Munich just kind of took control, grounded them down, and got the victory. Um, they, Munich, um, Salzburg had a few chances at the end, but they just couldn't get through uh, a resolute you know, Munich team. Which I think, I've, me personally, looking at Munich, it's a bit of a, it's a huge game on two fronts. The final. Obviously, the CHL final is a big game, but this is a team that's kind of... this won the DEL three times on the trot. But it's a team that's not recognised as one of the top teams in Europe. If you, look at, if you say, well, what are the biggest club teams in Europe? You mention Fulham, you mention some of the KHL teams, but you don't really mention any of the German teams. Munich now have the opportunity to be in that spoken group of teams, gave, you know, making that CHL victory. Um, so... Give me a lot, a lot on stake for both teams, um, and again, it'll be on free sport. And uh, I, I can't wait to see the final. I think the, the two best teams in the tournament. I, I can't wait. I'm, I'm with you in there. I can't wait to watch it. Hopefully, Fulham win it. As hopefully, it's a prediction. Me and you get right, Granty. But it's uh, the the Fulham the game against Pills and. Um, for the second leg, it was three-one. It could have been a lot more from both sides. They could have got could have been more goals from both sides. It was a terrific game to watch. Like it, every game has been so far this season in the CHL. You're not seeing people. Oh, apart from that one game, you're not seeing like teams getting whitewashed every game. They're actually putting on a competitive game, and that's what you want to see. I. February 5th, can't wait. It should be a, a great ending for the, the CHL campaign for this season. After, after that first game, it, it could have gone either way. I mean, um, the first the first sort of 60 minutes were pretty much a, a goal-tending duel between Aaron Birkin and, and, uh, and, and Mikulak. And just there's some fantastic players on, on, on both teams and... Um, it was just, it was it was Hager, Seidenberg and Kastner uh, that helped Munich reach the final in 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 that game uh, in the end. But uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fantastic final between Flunder and, uh, and and Munich and one game that I wish I could go to. I'm sure everyone else is the same. Yeah. If we could, I'd, I'd be there if I if, if I could, especially at Scandinavia, be a fantastic atmosphere in there. Um, but yeah, just just fantastic. For I think it was you know. The, the two teams that, as, as we predicted, were the most likely to get to the final. But having said that, um, I think this is more wide open as, as a final than I think it has ever been in the history of the CHR. I mean, any team could win this, Munich or, or Flunder, any one of them could do it. Obviously, I'm rooting for Munich. Um, I think Salzburg, as, uh, Flunder, as much as I love them, um, you know, it'd be nice to see a, a different team win it for the first time, uh, especially German team as well. First time a German team's won it. Um, it'd be a fantastic game, and definitely one that I think everybody should watch. 
quite agree with that and maybe it'll change some people's minds as to whether or not teams should be involved in the CHL but I'll not get into that again um, the next thing that I've got written down on the agenda is um, something that, that it's a term that's come up a lot in the Elite League recently amongst fans on social media uh, and it's a term that really really makes me cringe um, which is throwing players under the bus um, we saw it a lot in the first kind of stages of the season for the Steelers. Um, if Tomo went out and said such and such a player's not done a great job today or oh, I'm not happy with the players, they're not playing well enough, then he was throwing them under the bus. When we sat the Rupert brothers, they were thrown under the bus. And now other fans are saying Tom Barrasso threw Jackson Whistle under the bus by saying goaltending wasn't up to the standard that we needed it to be in the game against Dundee on Saturday. What do we think to this term, guys, this throwing under the bus? Because for me, it's just ridiculous. I, I think it, it demonstrates that as a society, even I go that far, that we don't like you know, responsibility of, of, you know, if you're not doing what you're meant to do, you shouldn't be saying it. It's not nice. The, the, the term was used by a lot of, a, a lot of fans in Sheffield and a certain group of fans um, who... Who was quick to use it, quick to throw Tomo under the bus for using it, um, and they've now it's, it's bizarre. I find it bizarre that they've not you've done it for Barrasso um, for doing exactly the same. It's, it's as though you know they can't you know say anything bad against the Messiah. It's that type of that logic type thing. For me, if a player, in the coach's opinion, when that's his pay to do, if he's not done the job. Why can't the coach? Why shouldn't the coach say that? You know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that he'll have said a lot more worse um, in, in the locker room. I, I don't see an issue with you know coaches saying, you know, I, I felt this person didn't perform to that, you know, that, that, that level that they expect. You know, I know a lot of Cardiff fans will say, well, we're not used to this. You know, Andrew Lowe doesn't do this. He just takes all responsibility. And I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. The phrase is the phrase is rubbish. It's a lack of detail to take responsibility we, we, it's like we shouldn't be doing that we can we can criticise everything like everyone else but as soon as the criticism comes on to X we should be doing it wrong you know what's the difference I mean I'd be honest with you I don't see a difference and I'll, I'll, I'll explain with the logic that why a fan on Twitter can say oh that player was rubbish and the coach doing it for me you're critiquing a performance. Now, the, the, the person understand, may understand the game, may understand the systems, may understand a bit more what's gone off behind the scenes. But as a fan, the coach will, will, will expect to implement the systems and everything that's, that goes behind the scenes, that coach will know. So he'll be able to say, you know, I, don't, I just didn't think he was good enough. I didn't think he played well. And I, just, I think it's an excuse. That term is an excuse to go, let's have a pop at this person. Let's have a dig at this person because he's throwing him under the bus. And I think a lot of fans on certain groups on the internet, social media, let's take a step back and let's not go, oh, it's criticizing, I throw him on the bus. No. Take a step back and go, well, has he done it for a reason? Has he said he's not done enough that the coach expects him to do? Because that's what he's paid to do at the end of the day of the coach. He's paid to get a performance. And if he feels that person not doing it was one of the reasons that contributed to them not achieving the target... We all have it in, in our works. We all have reviews. 
Okay, we don't work in front of five, six thousand people every week, but the principle's still the same. And I, I just think it's used to more to dig at the person than the actual principle behind it all. See, I, I, I liked it when he, he, he was, he mentioned whistle. It's like whistle. If he sees it on like social media from a fan, he'll look at it, laugh and go, "What did I know?" But then when he hears it from his coach, and even him saying it on a, an interview as well, he's gonna go, "Okay, I need to put my game up. I need to improve. I need to have a better game next time. I need to get better." That's gonna be the more the way that the player's gonna look at it. You get like Maureen from down the road in Atcliffe to saying, Oh yeah, he's terrible to like Tom Barrasso saying, Oh yeah, you need to pick up your game, you be terrible. It's gonna take more from Tom than he is from, from any fan. From Maureen. Yeah, but the Maury. <laughs> Poor Maury. What's Maury done to you, Gref? Um, <laughs> I mean, no offence to any Steelers fan called Maureen. It was just a name that came to my head. No, specifically Steelers fans called Maureen living in Atacliff. If you don't live in Atacliff, you're safe. But if you live in Atacliff and you call Maureen, you might want to have a pop at Gref on Twitter now. Um, what? Throw Gref under the bus? Throw Gref under the bus. The oh, irony. Oh, oh, the irony. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you reckon, Andy? What's your take on it? Um, I think it's a terrible phrase. Um, I think it just doesn't make no sense at all. Um, as as Graf said, you know, if 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 a player's not playing well enough, the coach has any other right as a fan to say that he didn't play well. At the end of the day, it's it's meant to. Be constructive criticism. It's it's not say oh you you were you were really really rubbish. You know you shouldn't play for this team or whatever. It's it, it's used to get a reaction from that player and say all right I'm 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 going to prove these people wrong and I'm going to do. Uh, they're getting paid to do this. If if we weren't getting paid, not fair enough then. But it is something they're getting paid for, and you know. The coach is doing it because they've played at a high level and, and they've, they've shown that they can do amazing things. But when it comes to a point when they, you know, they're not playing as well, as well as someone knows they should be, then they've got every right to say, you know, you're not playing well well right now. You need to get better. You now, it, it probably gives some ways on how you can do better. That's what a coach is for. It'll, Giveaways during the practice in one week, he'll say, "Oh, we're going to try this. Uh, see if it helps your game better, um, and see how it goes next game." Um, so yeah, it, it's a stupid term. One of them in our sense, and just like I said, the coach has has right to the name to their name is it if he feels that they're not playing to a standard that that they should be, and I, I, I bet they know they should be. And I'm sure that player would know himself, you know. I've I've not been playing well and I can't do better. I'm, I'm going to prove these people wrong, and that's what it's for. Uh, the Andrew Law situation, you know, there's there's a lot of coaches out there, and and none none are the same. So they've all got different styles and methods that they use. 
some might prefer to keep things a bit more private. Some might not because they want to get that reaction. The one, you know, not necessarily the fans to be on the back, but they want to, you know, be they want fans to watch that player, watch his development, see see, see if he gets better. And then at the end of the season, you know what? Well, they'll be applauded for saying, "Well done, you've you've improved, you've done well." And that's what I think is really useful to be honest. Yeah, for me, there's a key difference between Barasso and Andrew Lord as well, though. It's the key difference is Andrew Lord's team sat at the top of the league. If they have a poor game and Andrew Lord goes out in the media and says, oh, well, you know, Lingley played a terrible game, Bounds was useless in there, I, you know, I'm, obviously I'm exaggerating, obviously I know that Barasso didn't go as far as saying that, but if he goes out and says, oh, the net mind, it wasn't up to standard, we were really poor there. Certain players weren't putting the puck in the back of the net and taking the shots like they should. And, and went out and said similar things to Barrasso regarding the two Dundee games just gone. Then, yeah, maybe the players would be stood on the team going, do you know what, we're at the top of the league right now. We've done everything we can to get here. We've had a game where we've had a slump and you've crucified us for it in the media. The difference is Barrasso sat in 10th. He's just lost a game against a guy who's never won a game against the Steelers. He's been brought in to turn the team around and all of a sudden, for whatever reason, just as the team's on its way up, we managed to get up to fifth position following a really poor form at the start and then we've nosedived back to tenth. That's the difference. It's not like we're sat at the top of the league and we've had a slump. It's more like we've had a slump of a season and then had a bit of a break in form in that we've actually had a bit of time where we've played well. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that I just hate the term. I just think people that say it just... I, I agree with you, Dave. They say it to have a pop at people. And and it's really shown with the way that it was used all the time with Tomo in that 90% of the fan base would be sat there saying, oh, the Rupert brothers need to go because they're not scoring. And then all of a sudden the Rupert brothers go and, oh, they've been thrown under the bus. And 90% of the time it'd be the same person tweeting or putting on Facebook, oh, they've been thrown under the bus, that three weeks earlier were saying, what did Matt and Ryan Rupert do in that game? It, it, it just it is... And that's the thing, people have got to realise that when Barrasso goes out and says the netminder wasn't up to standard in that game, he's probably then gone and spent hours on the rink with Jackson Whistle trying to improve that. Meanwhile, Maureen from Attercliffe, as Greff so eloquently put, um, you know, has gone back home, done what she usually does, and then gone back to the game the next day. It's not like, it's not, it's, it's alright going on Twitter and saying, oh, he was crap, but then that's it, that's the end of it. When the coach says, oh, this wasn't good enough, they're then going to go and try and improve it. So it's all good. I so, got, yeah, Andy, you, put, you hit the nail on the head. It's constructive. So none of us see what happens in between weekends. So we don't know the work and the hours put in by, let's just say, for example, Tomo, by Brasso, by Lord, in preparing their teams. And, you know, Tomo may have once said what he has done, and then, right, let's work on this, let's do this, let's get you back in, you know. No one knows this. Now, apart from you know some self-appointed experts um, on on certain um, sort of social media strands and, and websites, but no one knows unless you are physically there all the time. So dumb, dumb, dumb phrase. I'd love to see it never used again. But the way the world is at the moment, I just can't see that disappear. I think it's going to become the the norm, sadly. 
Interesting that we haven't heard things about Schoenem as being thrown under the bus. Yeah. But, you know, maybe maybe the, maybe the Nottingham fans just look at it in a lot different that light. The thing, is that, the thing is, though, this time round, it hasn't been the Steelers fans a lot of the time saying that Barrasso is throwing the team under the bus. I, I think had had Tomo said the same thing that Barrasso had, then I think a lot of the time maybe those maybe it would have been the Steelers fans. Uh, I think maybe it might be something down to as you say not liking the person that said it and having a pop at that person. But generally speaking, the ones that I've seen this time round have, have been like regard particularly regarding the comments about Jackson and not performing. That most of the comments there have been from fans outside of the Steelers, so fans that aren't Steelers fans. I mean, I must admit, when I, when you got the article and the interview shared, the first five or six comments are thrown on the bus. Not one was from a Sheffield fan. The vast majority were from Cardiff. There was a young Belfast fan. So, you know, it's, again, I, I, I what irks me is the use of it. And then now from, from the same fan base that was quick to use it on the ex-coach, won't use it on the current one. And... You know, if, if you're going to critique, be consistent in your critique. Don't just change it because you've you found a self-appointed messiah and put him on a pedestal. You know, I mean, let's be blunt. You look at losing streaks. Brass was on a five-game losing streak. The most Tomo was this season was two games. You know, and some of the games in Sheffield have been as bad, entertainment-wise, as what we had. Um, before Thompson left, now there, some people will blame it still on, on Thompson, but you know. We've had, you know, you have to be, for me, you have to be consistent in your critique. If X was bad and Y does the same, you have to say the same. You can't then say, oh, well, you know, he's, he's the Messiah, so he can't, no. Everest, you know, you have to be equal, you have to be the same. And unfortunately, we just don't have that at the moment. It'd be like turning around and saying, oh, Crosby's, oh, he didn't play very well in that game. And then somebody else turning around and saying, no, you can't say that because he scored 80 points this season. Well, that's great. He still played poor in that game. Like at the yeah. end of the day, it, you, you, whether whoever you are, whatever it is, and I've seen people saying, "Oh, fair enough," you know, Barrasso's coaching Tomo's recruitment team. Fine, no problem. Yeah, to an extent, you can have that argument. But Barrasso's got the ability to sack players if he wants, to bring in players if he wants. He's made the decision to move on. Fine, not a problem. But I completely agree with you, Dave, on that. In that it, the, to be honest with you, the two most boring games I've seen in a long time in the, in the Sheffield Arena was the game against Coventry where we were shot out 1-0 and the game against Dundee on Saturday. And yeah. that's, that's not me, by any means saying I'd go back to having Tomo as coach. I think Barrasso has done a stellar job as coach generally. But they're the two most boring games I've seen in a long time. <laughs> Oh, but sorry, I have faith in Brasso to turn this round. Yeah. As a, as a Sheffield fan, I do have that faith. Let me let me put my cards on the table in that regard. I do have that faith in him doing it. But I think certain elements of as horrible we don't want to focus on on the certain club. Let's focus on the fan base in Sheffield. Certain elements of it have shown themselves up for being very hypocritical in how they've not been able to go. Well, this is bad because it's not Tomo coaching. So I think that I think there's a number of reasons in the mix for why you've got that, but. It's a horrible phrase. If you listen to it, if you listen to this podcast and use it, you know what? New Year, ditch the phrase. Be constructive. <laughs> new Year, do new else. you. I don't know. New Year, new phrase. Find something else, but not 
under the bus because it, it's rubbish. Don't substitute bus for coach, minivan, Maureen's Toyota Yaris or anything like that. It doesn't matter. Ability just, scooter, just, definitely just, not. Just definitely get not rid of scooter. the phrase throwing under whatever it is. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving on from that... Um, there's been an equally cringy thing going on on social media recently. It's been coming from a club official account. I ain't going to say a great deal on this because I couldn't watch it all. I had to turn it off. It is the Dundee oh, yes. 80s video with the Funhouse-themed 80s-style jerseys and the uh, the hideous uh, video that is... Um, what's wrong with the video? The video's great. What's right with the video? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the video, but so Dundee on Friday night they're having an 80s theme night and their jerseys. If you haven't seen, go on their website, have a look at it. They are unique. Let's go down that line. But they're very, they're fun, and you, and you know That's... what? You look at the video, and I know we've kind of critiqued a little bit of the video, but one thing that stands from it all. It's a club that's having fun. It's a club that's enjoying themselves. It's a club that's enjoying being in that environment, and a club that is in that way mould is a dangerous proposition um, and we all know Dundee have been have, have recruited well this year and they're getting great results and they're getting some big scalps um, so I, I love the video um, Greff loves the video Joe doesn't now maybe because me and Greff are a bit older that may be the case who knows you know search for it you know, let us know who's, who's right and who's wrong is it us right for liking it or is it Joe's right that it's horrible oh. can we find I, out I, what Andy thinks I, I just laughed a bit all can we think? Can we find out if it's a '90s kid thing, Andy? What What do you think to the video? Was it, um, it just me being boring? There's two ways I think about it, Jonas. Is I, I enjoy it. Don't take your sides now. <laughs> I enjoy it. I, I, I think it's fun. It, it's a good idea. But yeah, there, there is a part of things. Mm, you know, cringe. <laughs> yeah. 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 Just a little bit. It's not a nice um, thing. It's not a nice yeah, thing. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in in general, fair play to them because, I mean, every player wants to be on a team where they're allowed to have a bit of fun every so often, you know. No one wants to be on a team where everything's serious or we can't have any fun. But they're having fun and they're entitled to and I think... It's great for them now more than ever since they've got those two big wins over the Steelers. You know, they're they're on cloud nine right now after those two wins. You know, they just decided to do something, and and they achieved it. They'd be they'd be a quality club. Well, not not this season, but a quality club in general. Uh, that I've never been able to do before, especially under under Omar Pacha. So it, it's it's a great thing for him and. The, the fans are having a treat right now. They're the witness to you know, great games for them, and, and then they're getting some. They're getting to have some fun with this. Like, isn't I, I think it's a good, it's a great idea. It's 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 a bit of fun for everyone, and they're, they're definitely entitled to it. Was the cloud nine reference? Was glad of the, uh, sorry, the, I bet Pasha was in happy with the wig. With it, he's never had that much hair for a long time. <laughs> I was going to say, Pasha gets two wins against the Steelers. Next minute, he's in a track shoot and a wig, dancing along to wake me up before you go-go. But that's something you never expected to hear in episode 18. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, was the Cloud9 reference reference to the fact they're at ninth in the league, Andy, or was that just a happy coincidence? A bit of both. <laughs> Fair play. <laughs> well played. I'm going to try, well, uh, Gref, unless you've got anything else to add, I'm, I'm going to move on from the Dundee video. Do you have anything else to add, or are you, are you happy for us to move on? Uh, it's a bit, of, a bit of a laugh for everyone except for yourself, obviously. I know, Game, that's uh, why I'm trying to move on. <laughs> I close my eyes and see Matt Marquardt fair. not knowing what to make of the fact that he's got a bandana on dancing to wake me up before you go-go. <laughs> you see it in pretty much the previous season's gone with teams doing videos like that. You had us doing I like a cameo for Let It Go. You've had you guys doing it. Oh, God, that Belfast was awful. On it. <laughs> that was bad. Yeah, that was yeah, that I, was I, I, rec- I reckon Joe's just trying to ditch the Panther Joe marker just going for Boring Joe. I think so. Panther Joe will stay, though. I, I, I'm just too young, you know. I'm, I'm a nine, I'm, I, was, I was born in 95, mate. I, I don't understand these 80s references. I, don't, I had to say the one thing that I did feel like though is I felt like the video was just like one giant outtake from the film Zoolander. I just that's just how that's just the level of cheesiness <laughs> and, and irony. I just expected to see Ben Stiller come on and do Blue Steel. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, moving on well. swiftly, swiftly. Yeah. A bit the massive power as well. Doing the power and then I just, just Owen Wilson comes on and just uh, oh she just comes on just wow ruins everything Owen Wilson ruins everything the pouting game was strong on this one <laughs> yeah um, the next thing I've got down guys is something that happened that we don't see a great deal of uh, in the Elite League anymore it's sad I wish we saw more of it I want us to sign a big knuckle dragon that will fight every game. Um, but it's never going to happen. Got to wake up from that dream, and unfortunately, you wake up from that dream and watch the Dundee video. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a decent tilt. It was a short tilt, more like saying it was a decent punch. Uh, but Mark Louis and Zach Fitzgerald had another round um, in the game between Cardiff and Glasgow the other day. Um, Mark Louis absolutely one bomb Zach Fitzgerald, and you have to say fair play to them both. Dave, you pointed out that Louis, um, you know, grabbed Fitzy so that he didn't land face down on the ice. Fitzgerald got up, shook his hand, tapped him on the back, and went and sat down. A fight, a fight between two guys that seem to have a lot of mutual respect for each other, which is always good to see, and often a common thing you see between fighters. Um, Fitzy's taken a slaughtering for it a little bit on Facebook. I, I guess players like that have always got the people that don't like them. Um, at the end of the day, every team's got agitators. Every team's had fighters in the past. And at the end of the day, when a team's got a decent fighter, the opposition fans generally aren't going to like him. I don't understand how you can turn around to probably one of the toughest guys in the league, one of the guys who you know, is willing to stand there and get punched in the face repeatedly for his team and slaughter him because one guy that he's fighting gets in a lucky punch. I mean, taking nothing away from Louis, but it was a lucky punch. At the end of the day, nobody gets one-bombed unless they're just given a lucky opportunity, and that's what happened. But still I, I remember years ago, I remember years ago um, in the Super League year, uh, Dennis Vial fought Mike Ware, and them two, uh, Griffin, Where? I remember, they were the top... Exactly. Um, they were the, the top end of toughness. Um... Uh, and Mike Ware one bombed him. Um, 
and Vial's done for the game. He's, he's, he's broke his nose. Uh, the next night they went back. They, they played in Cardiff. The next night, what might wear was a Cardiff legend. They went again. Um, I, you know, I, how you can criticise a, a player or anyone who's prepared to put his face and his body through pain for entertainment purposes. I just don't know how you, you have any, any justification. When I said to you, know, they play the game of hockey, they get hurt for the hits, and then if they're going to fight, you know, everyone gets up and cheers, apart from, you know, some people don't like fighting. It just, they, they, do have, they do exist. Because it's not um, family-orientated. Yeah, I love that line. Um, and I just don't see how you can, you can criticise them. You know. They're giving everything for, for a cause to entertain their fans, and, and people do. Have a look at yourself. Have a look in the mirror and just have a think about, you know, are you criticising someone? Would you do that same job? I tell you what, I would do that job for love. You could pay me a million pound a day. I would not do that job. Yeah, the other question no, is, not... would you turn around and say to Fitzy in his face, ha ha, you got one bomb by Mark Louis and you suck? No, you wouldn't because, he, you know, if you were going to go toe-to-toe with Fitzy, he'd batter you. So why are we going behind keyboards on Twitter and slagging him off and saying, oh, it's useless because you've lost a they... fight? We mentioned the point again, though it's the it's the downfall of social media. Uh, probably more seen this year than ever of just how much people are quick to go. Many anonymous accounts who don't know who it is and be able to say stuff without consequence. Um, you know, the the art form of debate's gone. Uh, it's a shame, and then that's it's led to this. So you know, credit to Mark Lewis, credit to himself for going for it. You know, yes, he got lucky, but you know. They, they, they respected each other. Um, they do, they're doing it to entertain fans. Why would you criticise it? I don't understand that. I don't know what I'll go for anything. I just don't see how you can criticise I don't really think you can criticise it. If you do, that's, that's just silly. I mean, yeah, it really was a lucky punch that you've got in. But I'm pretty sure that isn't going to be the last fight that we see between the pair of them. They've had three Especially already. this season. I'm, I think yeah. it was at least three. The last time round, Mark Louis ended up face down on the ice because that was the one where he landed horribly flat on his face, which is really, really why you've got to give him credit for grabbing Fitzy as he went down. I mean, to be fair, when the boot was on the other foot, Fitzy didn't have any option. He was Fitzy was going down as well. There was no way he could have stopped it. But yeah, sorry, Karen, exactly. No, <laughs> no, no, exactly. It's yeah, it's it's a. For the two fighters, that's what they're, they're pretty much paid for, you could say. It's wonderful. Especially, you're going to see it more and more often. I mean, fair play to Louis. I mean, he got, he's sticking by the code, the unwritten code. For making sure Fitzy doesn't smash his head off the ice. Yeah, I mean... Um... <laughs> You can't discredit both or, or either of them because no, the, the, the job that they do, they're, 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 they're probably the two most heavyweights in the league. And they're doing something, as, as they said, for entertainment value. And I've not seen much fighting this season as compared to, to other ones. And no, it's, it's for me. I think it is part of the game. It's part of the game and that should stay. And it's sad to see it dying out. Uh, but no, they've known each other for a long time. Louis and Fitzgerald have, in, in the past have, have fought each other many, many times. And the respect is set into both for him. And I think, you know, 
we should both have respect and receive respect from fans because if 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 you're not if just discrediting discrediting them for for fighting, which is like like I said, part of the sport, I should say, you're just fueling that fire for people that that don't want to see it. The, the minority that don't want to see it, that don't think it should it should belong in the game. You're just fueling that fire against it, and it's it's going to come to a point where it's going to completely stop, and you're going to think, oh well. Where's that gone? Why's why am I not getting this buzz anymore? You know, it'd be a massive fair play to both for them. They clearly look out for each other. They're clearly great friends off the ring, but they've got that competitive streak on the ice, and you know, they, they want to give that that entertainment value for the fans. And it's it's part of our job. It's, it's part of what what they're being being brought up through for the from right from the from the get go. So it's something they've been used to for a long time. They enjoy doing it, and you know. The good friends, the really good friends, will get on with each other, and we just want to give that extra, that extra entertainment value. So just get massive respect for that. Yeah, big up to both of them. To be fair, at the end of the day, um, you can understand it a little bit more when people are getting paid to fight in the NHL and the big leagues. They're getting paid a hell of a lot of money to get punched in the face. Um, realistically, com- in comparison, we, you know, we don't know what, what people are being paid. We, we have no right to know what people are being paid in the Elite League, but it's speculation. But, you know, they're not being paid the millions that people are being paid in the NHL. So, realistically, in comparison, um, enforcers in the Elite League are going to be paid peanuts compared to what the enforcers in the NHL are going to be paid. So, to, to stand up in a game, get your, fun, get, get your face punched in, um, and, you know, have a guy throwing punches at you to give entertainment to the fans, you've really, really got to give a lot of credit and really, really got to give a lot of respect for guys like that. And that's the bottom line. Um, so, yeah, I, I like, uh, in fairness, for me, the, the fight was very similar to um, the fight in the NHL between Jamie Alexiak and, and Tom Wilson. It was, you know, every reason and, and every, um, you know, every setup to be a great fight. Same as same as in the Louis Fitzgerald fight, Louis gets a lucky punch in which drops Fitzy. Wilson gets a lucky punch in that drops Alexiak, or it gives him concussion as well. Doesn't help the pens out, but similar thing. At the end of the day, it's what happens in a fight. Two guys go toe to toe. The guy who wins is generally a guy who gets lucky. So, but hey ho. Um, moving on to that, to the last thing that I've got, I've got written down on the agenda before we've got the upcoming fixtures. Um, it's something that I think we'll we'll just kind of brush over this week. It might be something that we bring in again in future um, episodes, but I'm just conscious of, of the length of this episode. Um, is Tom Barrasso, again, apologies. I know that this, this, this episode has been very Steelers orientated, but just like at the start of the season, the headlines have also been quite orange recently. Um, Barrasso, there's this big dispute as to whether or not Barrasso is signing his own team. What do we think? I'll open that out before I give my opinion. What do we think? Do we do we care? Do we think he is? Does Don't he... care. Don't care at all. I he's of a school of he's a coach and he's paid to coach the players. A general manager or someone brings in the players. Will Brasso have an input into saying I want this type of player? Go and find me these type of players, and then I want the, this is the order of going for. I suspect that'll be the case, but who gives it? Who cares? If we're honest, who cares? 
Um, you know, so long as there's players on the ice for your club, week in, week out, don't matter who signs it. It could be more informatically who signs them for all intents and purposes. Um, who cares? I'm going to get graffiti shirt made that I, says I, more I, 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 get, I also find that because people think that Dave Sims is involved in the signing, again, I think it's another one. I need to have a dig at him. I need to have, you know, fire some shots at him. And again, it's, I think it's another stupid argument, waste of time argument used incorrectly. So basically you're saying we should throw the argument under the bus. Absolutely, throw it under the bus, throw it under the mobility scooter, throw it under any vehicle you want. Just not Maureen's from Attica if she needs that to get to work. No, 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 no. <laughs> Give Maureen every chance. Big up to Maureen. Uh, hashtag who is Maureen from Attica. Um, <laughs> no, I agree. I just, I, I really, really really don't care who's making the signings. There was a big debate between Steelers fans. Who's the one that's made the decision to get rid of the players that we've got rid of? 90% of the fan base would have gotten rid of at least Stefan De Revere, if not the other two as well. So why does it matter who was made the decision to get rid of them? They got, they've been gotten rid of like people wanted. Why does it matter if it's Barrasso? As, as Dave says, Barrasso is a guy, he's, he's from an NHL background, generally speaking, traditionally speaking, the NHL coaches aren't the ones that sign the team, that's the job of the GM. The coaches are there to coach the team that they're given. Alright, they might have some say in certain players, but generally speaking, the coaches are there to coach the team that they're given. If that's what Barrasso wants to do, fine. The phrase, and I agree, I'll bring again, bringing it round to what you said, Dave. There's, there's, there's some rumours that Dave Sims has been one of the people who's been, you know, to do with who we've been signing. Obviously, um, you know, Barasa went out and said he didn't know anything about Armstrong. Um, in the recent interview um, with the Steelers' most recent signing, he then said he spoke to Dave Sims on the phone. There's speculation that it's Simsy. Does it matter? No. Just because Simsy's controversial to a lot of people, because not everybody likes him, people are going, oh, let's have a pop at the fact that maybe it's him that's signing it. And the one thing that really, really... To quote Peter from Family Guy, what really grinds my gears is it's when people use the phrase, what does an estate agent from Birmingham know? Yeah, an estate agent from Birmingham who's been involved with the Steelers since the word go. An estate agent from Birmingham who's probably got more as many hockey contacts across the board as most people that you could want because he's had that involvement. We signed Tanner Eberle on the on the recommendation of Mike Blaisdell and everybody's, oh yeah, great, because Blazers said it. Well, that's fine, but do you not think that maybe Dave Sims was the one that got in touch with Blazer and said, what do you think of this guy? And this is the same person who used to be a player agent, so had you know was involved at that end of the of the game. Um, and in fairness, you mentioned Blaisdell. Blaisdell's all the involvement in the game. Now he's watching his son play. He's not involved in coaching. He doesn't know the, the the ins and outs of the game now. Not saying Dave Sims does, but you, you make the point, and it's right. You know, everyone Blaisdell, you know, well respected, well loved in Sheffield, rightfully so. But it's, it's kind of it's, again. I, I just I kind of feel like I'm always going down the our fan base can can a, a perception of, of hypocrisy of what we we can say this is fine for that to do, but if you do it, no. 
if X can do it, that's fine, but Y, no. And I just, we, we make us, you know, fans will, fans and clubs will, will always try and have digs in Sheffield. It's just always, as far as I've been a hockey fan, it's always been, don't give them the ammunition. You know, don't give, don't give them the ammunition to do it. And our fan base, I say as a Sheffield fan now, our fan base seems to be doing that. And just wising up a little bit. I don't think it takes much. You know, like I said, who cares who signs the players? Who 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 cares who goes out and finds his players? Will Brasso have a say in which ones to go for in terms of rank and file and order? I can imagine that absolutely. And you you, you hear interviews from the NHL, which is where the, his school of thought comes from. Coaches there will say, "I want this type of player. I want that type of player." He, I think he could do a good job. Can we get him involved? Can we do this? But the GM next to sign it. The GM next to the agreements. The GM does all the negotiations. It's not the coach. It's just because of the UK, the coach has to do everything because they have the budget to have a GM and all this. Which is why, you know, just it's, I just think it's stupid. It's another stupid argument. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's... I think it's an argument we're going to pretty much have for a good while. <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to happen next season as well for you guys if Brussels still there. It, I think we've already had this debate as well during this season with the Armstrong sliding. It's it really, I I don't care, and I'm pretty sure you guys don't care. And I'm sure Brussels is not really caring that people are thinking this. It's like who cares? As long as you get the players in and you. You got the players in, and they're actually getting you the points, and you're going up, up, and up further up the league. You get an into playoff spot. You're not going to care. You're like, yeah, great. We're in the playoff spot. Or even better, we're in the final four in Nottingham. It's you're absolutely right, Griff. And the thing is, I don't think a single fan of whichever club in the league, either the elite league or even down the NIHL, they won't care. When they walk into that rink or arena, they watch their team. They don't care who signs the players. Now, the standard of player signed is a different argument for a different day, but they will not care who signs it. They go to watch the team and they go support the badge of the front of the shirt. They don't care for names. They support that team. End of. You know, I, I, can't, I don't think there's a single fan that actually goes into that, uh, that arena rink and goes, well, do you know what? I'm not liking it because I don't like the person who's actually signing the team. In the grand scheme of context. I don't think there's a single person. If there is, probably for alternate motives and reasons. It'd be like Maureen from Attercliffe going into the local Aldi and saying, I don't want to buy bananas off him because I don't think he's picked them off the trees. I... I why? Like, you know, I go to a hockey game to watch the hockey, not not to watch a team that's been recruited by a certain person. Like, why are we just trying to make everything political? Why are we? Trying... You know, there's enough there's enough politics going around as it is. What? Why? That sounds a stupid thing to say, but you know what I mean. There's it. There's enough politics debates going on at the moment already. Why are we then trying to add politics into hockey? A guy who's recruited a team. Nearly get to mention Brexit. Yeah. Well. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, that's my that's you know that's what I believe. I don't care who signs them. What do you think, Andy? Um, as they said, you know, it's uh, it's used to the NHL sort of star where it is GM who signs and the coach 
coach just coaches whoever you know the GM brings in. I think none of us know for sure though, because I mean, obviously with him coaching at Asiago last year, his, his first sort of, sort of European outside the KHL of of, of coaching wise, maybe maybe he did bring the players in. Maybe he has got a, a, a lot to do with the players that are coming in and things. But you know what? It doesn't matter because if we're getting players like Luca, who well, I think has been probably the best signing so far at the season in terms of consistency, you know, he's, he's been the best player for the last five, six games for me. And, you know, before I, I didn't know much about him or anything, I don't even, I don't, I've heard his name before, but only like briefly from. For quite a long time, go through different sort of you know signings from different clubs and elite prospects and things. But even if it is Simsy who, who has a sign or recruits these players, it don't matter because that guy probably loves the Steelers just as much, or if not more, than the rest of the fans do. I mean, there would be Steelers without, without Simsy. He was the one who, who helped us get to where we are today to be this successful club, and you know, there's as they say as well, he's he's got those contacts. He's got the uh, he's he's got the pres the, the past of being uh, 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 a uh, agent, player agent. So you know, if he's Simsy, I'm, I I couldn't care because he he bleeds orange, and I'm sure Brasso will have some sort of say. You know, Simsy goes, oh, I'll take his player, and I go, yeah, looks good. I'll, I'll lock him up, and then they'll probably have a meeting. Discuss it, and I'm probably offer a player a contract. I think I think that's how it works at the minute. Yeah, absolutely right. You know, I think we're all in agreement there. Um, doesn't really matter. Um, call a spade a spade to move on. I think from that, to be fair, I just went. You know, we're <laughs> the risk of just going out in circles. Apologies for the rantiness about it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, apologies to all the reference to Maureen from Attercliffe as well. If there is anybody called Maureen in Attercliffe that's listening, do reach out to us. Um, you can reach out to us via the different social media outlets, such as um, on Twitter, we are at MFZ Podcast. On Facebook, it's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast. So obviously give us a follow, uh, retweet, share, like the podcast that we're putting out. We'd like to know that everybody's enjoying it. Uh, we are happy to see people listening and uh, you know we thank you very much for that. Um, keep questions coming in. We haven't got any this week, but keep questions coming in. Um, keep feedback coming in because we do want to know how we can improve. Um, are the episodes too long? Are they too short? Are you happy with the length? It's um, it's completely, you know, we want to know what you guys think. Um, the last thing that I have on the agenda for this week, as usual, is um, our little predictions section. As per the norm, we'll put the disclaimer out there. Please do not expect to win any accumulators or bets based on our predictions. Um, I can give you the stats unless from last it's week. You are, unless it's the CHL. Unless it's the yeah, CHL. unless it's the CHL. <laughs> Unseen, where we actually get some right. Um, so last week, I'm just counting out how many games we had. So there was five games on the Saturday, five games on the Sunday, and then the one game on the Wednesday. So from 11 games... Uh, last week, uh, Dave was the back runner on that one with five out of eleven. Uh, then we've got Greth on six, and myself and Andy were tied on seven for last week. So the total numbers for 2019 so far, or for the last two weeks at least, which is the last two that I've actually looked at again, um, 
Again, we've got Andy and Dave on 12. I'm on 13 and Greth's on 14. So we're all pretty close at the moment. Um, but we'll do the same again. So run through the same order again. So Andy and then Greth, then Dave and then me. Uh, I'll run through the fixtures, just see what you guys think. And then obviously we, we'll, uh, we'll bring it to a close from there. Uh, and then we can come back next week and see if we're still running in the same trends of, uh, of, of people getting the ones right. Um, the first game is tomorrow, or should I say today, because once again we've gone over the 12 o'clock margin. Um, it's Friday the 18th of Jan, um, and it's Dundee versus Nottingham in Dundee. Uh, I think Dundee. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Dundee as well. Part-time in Dundee. Yeah, I'm going to say Dundee as well. I, I think with the new coaches, no new coaching structure in Nottingham, going up to Dundee, it's not an easy one. Long journey. Um, Saturday the 19th of Jan, we've got Guildford Fife in Guildford. Guildford. I'd say Guildford as well. Guildford. Another full house there. We've got Guildford again. Um, Devils v Belfast in Cardiff. Big, big Ooh. game for the league standings, this one. Belfast. Cardiff. Belfast. I'm going to say Cardiff. I'm going to agree with Gref. So we've got a 50-50 on that one. Um, Coventry versus Manchester in Coventry. Manchester. Of course, Manchester. So good, I'm set down with a shock. Um, I'm going to go Manchester as well. So I'm going to say Coventry. Maybe this is the week that we see Beckett step up his game. Um, it's in Coventry <laughs> as well. Maybe he's not going to get pulled after four this time. Um, we've then got Clan versus Nottingham, the uh, the Neil Black dual game. Um, it's in Glasgow. What do we think? Uh, Nottingham. Yeah, I'd go in Nottingham with this one. Nottingham. Full house for Nottingham on that one. Uh, and then the final game on Saturday is MK versus Sheffield in MK. Sheffield. I'm going to go with MK. Do you know I am as well? I'm going to go MK. Yeah, I agree with you too. I'm going to say MK as well. It's going to be. I think it's going to be a sixth losing streak now for the, for the Steelers. Um, Sunday, twentieth of Jan, we've got Cardiff versus Belfast again in Cardiff. Oh, Cardiff. See, I'm going to go with Belfast for this one. <laughs> I'm going to go Cardiff. I'm going to go Belfast. So we've reversed. <laughs> Our predictions. <laughs> it's like a rerun of the Belfast Steelers yeah. one all over again. <laughs> uh, then we've got Sheffield versus MK in Sheffield, which is the return fixture from the previous day. Uh, Sheffield. I would say Sheffield as well. Your first winner, 2019. Oh, getting a little dig in there. <laughs> It worked, weren't it? Get back on free sports and find your teeth. I, I, hope, I hope Maureen finds you and gives you a slap. 
for that comment. Um, I'm going to go Sheffield as well. Yeah, I'm going to go with a full house on that. I think Sheffield will get it at home. We, we've got to get something in our arena soon, haven't we? Um, then we've got Dundee, Guildford in Dundee. Oh. Guildford. I'm going to say Dundee. The party continues, Dundee. And say Guildford. Uh, we got Manchester Coventry in Manchester. So again, return fixture um, from the previous day. Manchester. Do you need to ask me? Manchester. Yeah, I think Manchester will do a double, yeah. I think Manchester will get the one at home. Um, and then we've got Fife Nottingham in Fife. Fife. I'd say Fife as well. I'm going to go then Pesky Fires. And again, Fife from me as well. So another full house. Um, there's a game, two games on Wednesday and a game on Thursday as well. So we'll go over those just because of when we generally record. Um, so Wednesday, we've got Sheffield versus Cardiff in Sheffield. Cardiff. Cardiff. Sheffield. Ooh. I'm going to go with you, Dave. I think we might upset the apple cart on that one. That's my thought. And then we've got Guildford, Nottingham in Guildford. That's a Challenge Cup game. Not a Conti oh. Cup, a Challenge Cup. <laughs> um, oh. Oh. Gil- Guildford. <laughs> I'll say Guildford as well. I think Guildford are the dark horse of the Challenge Cup this year, so I'm going to say Guildford. Uh, and then last game then, Thursday 24th of Jan, Belfast versus Fife in Belfast. 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 Full house to end it, it's Belfast from me as well. So I'll take a note of those. Again, we'll have a look next week to see how many of those we've got wrong. I feel like it's probably more productive to say how many we've got wrong than how many we've got right, given uh, <laughs> given previous form. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of another episode, unless anybody else has got anything to add. You're all shaking your heads at me, so I'm taking that as a no. Um, so thank you very much uh, for listening to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. Um Thank you very much, Maureen from Attercliffe, if you're listening. Thank you for letting us mention you. We don't know who you are, if you exist. Um, but, yeah, anyway, um, another long one, two, about two hours long, I reckon, this one's going to be. So we apologise if, if, if it has been a little bit long this time round, but we've had a lot to fit in there. Um, so, but for now, um, thank you from everybody here. So thank you, Dave. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everyone else. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And Gref, I'm not going to say thank you to you because you had a dig at us and now I feel offended. <laughs> I'll have a selfie with Maureen now. You'll have a selfie with Maureen. I'm going to get you a little post. I don't know, you're not one of those masks of somebody that just says Maureen across the top. Yeah, no, anyway, thank you, Gref. Uh, thank you to everybody listening. We've got another episode of My Fancy Zamboni.